0: This is making finances easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Paul Cochran here, making finances easier. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Garrett Crawford. How are you doing, Garrett?
2: I'm doing good today.
1: Well, good. Uh, Garrett and I are with Providence Advisors Group. We're a registered investment advisory firm here at uh, Pellissippi and North Shore in that Falling Waters uh, building. And there are seven of us that work here. uh, during COVID, you know, we kind of spread out a little bit. We made sure everybody had a station at home and a station here, and uh, and it seems like over time we've uh, done uh, kind of a lot more here in the last two years via phone and and video conferencing. People are coming, becoming more accustomed to that. Yeah. Obviously, we still meet people here, but uh, but anyway, the f- the first and most important topic this morning is uh, Garrett. What is your and we might have talked about this before, but it's such an important topic <laughs> that we need to cover it again. Okay. And
2: what is your favorite fried chicken? Uh, um, I don't want to steal your, your thunder, Paul. Uh, I, I, you know, you you become who you're around. I was talking to my wife, Eva, about this something just recently. But, you know, a lot of who I am has come from you. But I, <laughs> as soon as you ask that question... Uh, it makes me think of what you've said in the past. It's hard for me to find a piece of fried chicken (laughs) that I don't like. And I would generally agree with that. But, you know, the first memory of fried chicken that pops into my mind, is uh, I grew up in a in a Baptist church where we did uh, the potluck dinners every Wednesday night and there were the faithful, glorious <laughs> members as a kid that would go to KFC and uh, they would have a bucket of KFC fried oh, chicken. It would be at the front of the table mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there were some ladies uh, and probably men too that brought like homemade fried chicken but I would run to the front of that line so that I could get me a piece of the KFC fried chicken. Um, so at least in the 90s When I was a kid growing up, KFC had the corner of best fried chicken uh, growing up. And, you know, surprisingly, I... I haven't been to KFC in a, in a long time, and I actually read an article somewhere that said that KFC is killing it in Asia. Uh, like, hmm. their China market is what is keeping them Interesting. up. Interesting. The Chinese and uh, just love KFC chicken, and so you're seeing KFC kind of uh, make more money that direction. But uh, to keep my answer short, uh, I like all fried chicken, but here recently I've been a big fan of the public's fried chicken ten- mm. tenders, mm. Uh, mm. and the hot take is I kind of like it a little bit better than Chick-fil-A. Mm. Um, and they're right next door here. So uh, I'm going to go with Publix fried chicken tenders as the fried chicken you'll see me eating most often these days. What about you, Paul? Wow. Well, uh, it, it's it's funny you
1: say that about, you know, when gr- growing up, you know, we would have fried chicken actually sometimes in the house. And I remember, you know, we had something that Seems like a lot of households don't have much anymore, like a big jug of Crisco, and oh, yeah. <laughs> throwing it in there. And, and uh, but once I got married, Sandy just uh, really didn't like the, you know, the splash and grease and, you know, the, kind of the residue would leave around the kitchen, et cetera. So we, we just, you know, fried chicken wasn't part of our repertoire. Mm-hmm. So it was something I would just have to do either when I ate out or when I traveled or whatever. But uh, I would say that my favorite fried chicken is down at RT Lodge. Uh, that yeah. guy has figured it out. Um, I'm not I, I can't remember the chef and and it's not always exactly the same, but even when it's bad down there it's it's the best. And the the I, I remember go, going there a few different times and experiencing it. And I I was just really overwhelmed uh, at how good it was. Uh, And so, yes, RT Lodge. Um,
2: So we're going to wrap up early today and go grab some fried chicken. We'll be back in a little bit.
1: (laughs) 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 Um, Well, today, this topic, I know we were talking about this a little bit before we went on the air and uh, it's it's kind of uh, you know we we had a couple episodes recently you know one was about cycling one was about how our faith influences our work and uh, so they were two that kind of veered off a little bit mm-hmm. from our normal kind of market uh, kind of uh, discussions and financial planning discussions but circling back to some of these financial discussions is this whole topic of of how people approach. The stock market mm-hmm. and one of the one of the approaches that 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 we see it's it's fairly common i i hear it from guys talking in the locker room at the gym i go to and uh and d- d- different people th- they, even down the hallway will we'll be talking to people here in the building but they almost treat the market uh like uh, a casino and Uh, One of the places that shows up is in uh, this trend lately that we were talking about, about buying options. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe you can kind of explain a little bit about what that is when you buy an option, which is kind of like you can make money when the market goes the opposite way.
2: Yeah. So uh, I think for most people, the traditional idea of investing is I buy... A mutual fund, I buy an exchange-traded fund, or you may just, you know, you may be really big on Ford Motor Company, so you go out and buy uh, 5,000 shares of Ford Motor stock because you're real big on their F-150 model and you want to own a piece of the company. Well, uh, you don't always have to buy a stock or a mutual fund to participate in market growth uh there's there's this whole other class of investing in the stock market that you would call a derivative something that's different than just buying the actual security of the company or a mutual fund and you know i would say you know, option investing has been around for for decades and a lot longer than I've been in the industry. But as far as bringing it into the mainstream, the past decade has seen explosive growth in option investing. And so option investing would be, um, honestly, without getting too technical, you could, you could buy an option, and you basically buy the right to buy a security at a certain price in the future. Uh, so you actually don't actually own the stock, but you buy the right to own a stock at some future value. And uh, it's it can be a great way to invest in the market if you think that stock prices are going down. So I think a lot of people may have heard this in the news. A few years ago when, you know, Tesla was really Taken off, and there were a lot of naysayers, and people wanted to bet that Tesla was going to go down, that they couldn't keep up that pace, and so people would buy options to buy a security at a certain high price, so that when Tesla's stock uh, would one day go down, they hope they could. Make a lot of money on that. So, option investing would be very common for somebody that wants to make money on the stock market when it goes down. The problem with that, though, is if you look at historical market trends, uh, the stock market goes up over time, not down. And so, it can be an incredibly hard, if not uh, impossible, task to know when the stock market is going down. And so you'll see a lot more people investing uh, the traditional way of buying an index or buying a mutual fund or security because stocks go up more often than they go down. And so... Uh, lots of things there, but you can also make money selling options to people. And you can also buy options on leverage. And that's probably where we're going to get into talking a little bit today. But when you don't actually own a stock, but if, it, if the stock price goes the wrong way, oh boy, can you get hammered exponentially and lose a lot of money. And so when we talk about options, uh, there's some really smart people out there that know how to use them effectively, but there's probably these days a lot more people out there that just know they can um you know i liken it a little bit to placing something i heard read about recently like mini bets on football where you know you're you're betting that the first drive of the game that your team is going to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion that might happen but there's really no way of knowing that you just kind of have a sense that you know the team better than the rest of the people, and so you can do all this sports betting now, and they call them mini bets. And I would I would probably liken that a little bit to option investing.
1: Yeah, eight six five seven seven zero five zero three one. Give us a call if you've got some some questions. We'll be glad to follow back up with you uh, next week. But you know, uh, through the years as we've met people, particularly do-it-yourselfers who really enjoy being involved in the stock market, you know, I can think, gosh, I, there's countless people who've come to us, and if you really had a career of just stock picking and goofing around and uh, in the market, and they've said, uh, well, hey, I I, I, I need some, some help now. Uh, I, I don't really want to do this anymore. Or let's say their goals have changed, and this is a typical scenario where They've been playing around with the stock market. They've been choosing their own mutual funds or whatever was available in their 401k. But when it came time to retire and to figure out a way to generate yield
2: from those investments... Um, or the amount that they saved is so large that they're now getting more uncomfortable or, with taking those those risky...
1: Correct, correct. Then they'll, they're they like, uh, you know, I need some help. And some of those... Uh, who have uh, been—I can think of several—who are just faithful clients for many, many years. They started off and they had little investment clubs and different things, and so we would actually invest their money in a in a wise, strategic way. But they would keep money on the side and maybe another you know, thirty thousand or whatever, just to play with in the in the stock market, mm-hmm. and uh, which I, I I totally get and I completely understand. Um, the the tricky part is the way the human art is set up in in fact the Proverbs talk about this uh, in Proverbs 13 it says uh, depending on the translation something to the effect of uh, wealth quickly gained is quickly wasted and so this, this impulse of wow I, I want to get rich quick well usually get rich quick uh, motives don't end well mm-hmm. and and uh, Remember the old, uh, well, you're probably not old enough to remember the old uh, E.F. Hutton. Was it E.F. Hutton? Uh, Maybe our listeners can remind me. But uh, they used to say, you know, we make money the old-fashioned way. We earn it, you know. (laughs) Uh, And so this idea is you know, I think people can get really confused about, you know, gosh, what is the stock market? And is this where's the pixie dust? And how does all this happen? Well, in a nutshell, what we're doing here is we're simply like you use the example of Ford. We're just uh, becoming owners of one of these companies. We are actually uh, buying a piece of that company. Or if I purchase an exchange-traded fund, I'm buying a piece of a myriad, uh, you know, could be a thousand companies in that little ETF. And so I, you, you quite literally own some of the company. And so some companies can rise in value, some can go down in value. And so to, to treat it uh, like gambling, which is, which is, you know, super common, um the problem is uh statistically speaking that doesn't end well consistently somebody does it and they make a profit doing it they tell other friends in the locker room wow, here's what I did and kind of look like, how great this did but they don't tell all the ones that they missed or the ones after that that they miss and and that happens a lot of times even on the news uh you you'll hear somebody um, on CNBC or wherever, they'll talk about, uh, you know, the great move that was made, that that they made. Um, but there's very little ongoing accountability. Yeah, sure. And so having one uh, really good line drive or a great home run or maybe even two home runs, it it goes, you, you have to look at the
2: career batting average. Yeah, sure. And I would liken that a little bit to... Uh, I guess maybe being in the industry and getting to have so many conversations under that kind of fiduciary umbrella where people trust you and tell you things, uh, you know, I didn't realize how prevalent that was where, you know, my, my friend down the street or, you know, a uh, person I go to the gym with or play tennis with, they were telling me, you know, they made all this money on this one stock. And uh, it makes me think of uh, social media and Instagram a little bit where, you uh, if you've ever been on those platforms, it's, it's kind of a snapshot of the best person or best time in a person's life. And oftentimes those stories that you'll hear from, from friends, they, they could have made a lot of money, but they're, they're usually getting a, uh, a false view of everything that that person is going through in order to get that that big win, and so uh, there's probably some low lights in there too when you take that type of strategy consistently through many many years, and so uh, it's just it's just always interesting uh, when you kind of pull back the curtain that there's more to the story really than just big wins and and, and lots of money being made.
1: Yeah, and and that's another reason why I so respect. Uh, I know Keith, Jeremy, Tyler, the guys on on our investment team, and, and there are others too, that really spend you know all their waking hours during their workday doing the due diligence on these various companies and the asset classes. What's what's going on out there, and they're they they're, they're cool headed. They're not reactionary. They have been able to keep their hand on the plow in a way that, um, it, it, that the more risk that the portfolio takes, the more it earns over time. The less risk it takes, the, the, the less it earns over time. Uh, there are years that are strange. Last year was a classic, <laughs> you know, 2022, to have a year where the bond indexes were down like 14%. Well, that, that that really hadn't happened before. Um, I think the second lowest year in bonds was like 3% before that. Mm-hmm. So it, there, there are anomalies out there uh, in terms of years. Uh, but but it makes it having guys like that and, 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 and ladies like that who are on our, our strategic investment team um, – it really gives me a lot of confidence because I can't watch because a lot of the planning that I'm doing, as long as I'm thinking through asset allocation, you know, I'm not watching the market all day. Um, you know, it's it's 945. The market's been open 15 minutes. I have no idea which way the market went. I do know that that the inflation figures are coming out today. And well, we're recording this on a, on a Wednesday this week. And. Inflation figures are coming out today, and then next week, after this airs, uh, the Fed will meet, and they'll make a decision. and And uh, and the markets tend to, you know, to react to that. But w- w- what I see, though, is that because so many people on the retail investment side, because there are so many uh, gamblers, people that react emotionally, people that don't have a sound plan and in, in their approach to the market it it makes it so that uh, that the market is uh, it, it can be reactionary uh, for sure
2: but that over time cool heads prevail yeah I was going to say maybe b- backing up a little bit there there's like this spectrum of the stock market, if, if that's what we want to call it, um, on one side of the spectrum are people that are, uh, you know, they're speculative, they're gambling. Uh, there's, there's not a really good rhyme or reason. They're just hoping that the thing that they feel is going to work out in their favor and they're highly leveraged and either they're going to win a lot of money or they're going to lose a lot of money. So that's one side. And then the other side might say, uh, you know, I I don't want to risk anything. And you know, I've had conversations with clients like this before. Uh, they've got three hundred thousand dollars in a checking account in their bank. Uh, their their needs are met, uh, but maybe an online savings account is paying like right now four or five percent. Yet they don't even want to take the risk or the risk of a savings account because they just feel like they need that money in a checking account and so i would say that's like the opposite side of the spectrum that they they don't want to take any risk because they feel like even putting money in a cd is is too risky um and so i think for most of our clients and probably most of the people listening out there you're 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 not on either one of those sides you're somewhere between and uh, like what you were talking about paul with the our investment managers and owning shares of companies you know that that would be for somebody that just owned stocks and so there's you're owning only pieces of company but there's even a more conservative route where you add in fixed income and fixed income as bonds and cds and things that take a lot less risk than owning a a sliver of a company and so uh everybody's got to find their sweet spot on that spectrum of where they're at and so that's where i would uh say when you, when you invest your money for the future, it's, it's not gambling. Sometimes it's being smart. Uh, if you're paying, uh, 2% on a mortgage or two and a half percent on a mortgage you've had for a while, and yet you can get 5% or 4% guaranteed, I probably wouldn't pay extra money towards your house. And We've done a whole episode about that, but there's an argument that you're not gambling (laughs) by Mm -hmm. making a better decision with your money exactly and then i think that you can you know fixed income rates are, are really good right now and so it's okay to maybe take some of the risk of the stock market off and invest in something more with less volatility but when you get to that level where uh you know i think we ought to do a whole show on this sometime paul but like uh Last year was Bitcoin. We talked about that a lot. Right now, we're getting questions about artificial intelligence. And so people are asking, what company should I invest in to make a lot? I want to get in early so I can make a lot of money. And, uh, you know, it's it's just an interesting conversation that we have to have with clients to help them know where their risk tolerance currently is. And are we getting closer to this idea of gambling our savings for the future? Do we really need to take that risk or? would we be just fine taking less risk and you'd be still be able to cover all your needs? So uh, I guess I, the reason I interject here is that I think there's, there's a spectrum of where people need to be and you know, gambling might be one side of it, but there's a lot of space in between uh, with, with wisely stewarding your money where I don't think that's under the banner of a game boy.
1: I think there's a natural uh, thought process that people might have that, wow, I need to find a, a great stock picker out there that's who I need to hire, a great stock picker, when in reality uh, some of the allocation, the asset allocation decisions, the financial planning decisions, the tax considerations, um, there are so many other kind of hidden traps where people that people can avoid to make money that, that they don't even realize. Um, so I guess that's all for today.
0: We'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC are affiliated companies. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. We are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration, the Federal Medicare Program, or any other government agency. Calling this number will direct you to a licensed sales agent.